Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, and I'm joined today in Studio 2 uh, by Patrick Nunes. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Patrick is the Director of Global Communications and Design at Rotary International, and we are delighted that Patrick can join us today in Studio 2. So let's move on and get on uh, with the show. Patrick, first, I'd like to get to know you, know a bit about, about your personal background. Uh, I understand you're a native from Sao Paulo in Brazil. Yes, yes. I'm native from the countryside of uh, Sao Paulo State, but I spent many years in Sao Paulo City and my college years way back when. Fantastic. And, and you studied English at, at a young age, right? And, uh, and obviously right. you speak it perfectly. And you taught it afterwards and now speak uh, six different languages, if I'm right, including obviously Portuguese, English, Spanish, Italian, French and Hindi. That's very right. impressive. Can you tell <laughs> yeah, us like... Had... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. No, so can you tell us what, um, what attracted you to languages in the first place? It's interesting because I was not actually attracted to languages growing up. It was very interesting. And I was always a very dedicated student. And when um, I had my grades, you know, English actually was the one that I was not so great. I was not horrible, but English actually was the one that I didn't care. I didn't like. <laughs> Maybe because I didn't like my teacher back then. And then um, actually a friend of mine, one of my best friends at the time, um, you know, I was in my 12, I was probably 12, 13, said, you know, there's going to be this language school that's going to open right across the street from where we're studying. I'm going to join. Why don't you do it? And I convinced my parents that that was a good and I started studying English and out of a sudden, actually, I realized I, I enjoyed it and I actually could learn. And uh, so that's when actually that interest um, started is when I realized that something that I didn't like, I actually really enjoyed and actually could learn and actually use it. And from that on, it was about, you know, what else can I learn? What else? It's kind of fascinating. What else can I get in and absorb? Absolutely. And, um, and so I understand you also did a lot of volunteering work. And is this where you picked on, up on other languages? Um, actually, I studied other languages, but actually volunteer work was part of my growing up as a teenager. I, I did volunteer work with American Food Service, AFS, that would host exchange students uh, in my hometown. And I served in many positions and I was actually very involved and fascinated by meeting these people, especially because by then I already could have some command of English so I could communicate with them. And for me, it was always fascinating. That's when my first cultures came about when I was doing and meeting these, you know, exchange students were either studying at my school or were part of the program that I was volunteering yeah. for. Um, so from there, I think it only helped me get more interest about languages and, and whatnot. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Fascinating. Very impressive as well. Um, so you then on uh, pursued uh, your education and you studied business administration and management, uh, management. So you're in your bachelor's degree and also you specialize in international relations, right? And affairs. That is correct. So um, why the specific interest from languages to business to international affairs? Yes, um, for me, it was um, and actually also that didn't come right away for me. Um, when I was in high school, I, I was in a major doubt of what I would do with my mm -hmm. future. And at the time in, in the 90s, actually, the, the whole concept of international relations was just starting to become, you know, more part of the academic work. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, and become a thing. 
And I remember back then there were only two universities in the whole of Brazil wow. that offered that. So, you know, and I thought, okay, I want to do that. And because it was very competitive, I could, I didn't get in. I was not accepted. So what I did is um, I, I kept going and studying languages and teaching English. At that time, I had my first job teaching English when I was 15. And um, for me, um, you know, I wanted to continue to pursue. But until that happened, I thought of another idea that would be to become a diplomat, which is a very big thing in Brazil, very hard. So that's what encouraged me to keep studying languages. And um, I went to law school for two wow. years because actually that was one of the careers. People said, OK, if you go to law school, you're going to yeah. get great chances of getting into becoming a diplomat. And um, that lasted two years. And I was okay with it. I didn't do badly in school, but my heart was not there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's there was a course that was just opening in my in the university where I was going to about um, business and management and import export. So that's like okay, that's really cl more close kind of to you know, the... <laughs> closely aligned, yeah, to like import export other countries, other languages. Why not? Let's let's do that, and uh, that's how I, I I shifted it. Ended up in that field, and then later on, I had the opportunity to have my own business uh, with a language school and a translation company, and the idea of becoming a diplomat kind of faded away, fell in the background. And that's why I went to then do a specialization course in international relations. And um, yeah, so by then I had studied, you know, four of the languages that I speak today. The fifth one was Italian that I learned because it was part of, I had a language school. So I had an Italian teacher. I'm like, wow. why not learn Italian, right? And um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm a man, I think, of, of a lot of ups and downs and shifts. And after I had my business for a while, I decided to go do volunteer work again wow. but this time uh, in india and uh that's where i picked up hindi so a lot of people get thrown off by that that is very impressive not everybody's able to do so <laughs> well done and uh that sounds uh, fascinating and um and you're now working for rotary international so you made right. another move, but I suppose, um, but in volunteering and working for a nonprofit organization like Rotary International, this, this here's the connection straight away that I can see. You're working, you're as we mentioned, director of the global communications and design. So could you tell us a little bit about your role and the organization? Because you've been with Rotary for about what ten years now already. Correct. Yeah, just just past ten years, and yeah, and I and that's another good thing about being where I am today. It's because I started. You know, I think after doing different things and after my volunteer work and, and working at a recycling company here in the Chicagoland area, I think things kind of came somewhat a full circle for this cycle of my life. And the opportunity came to work for Rotary and work with languages. So actually it was like a perfect, perfect match for me. Match. You know, it's um, some it's an organization that I have known forever growing up. My grandfather was a Rotarian. So for me, I'm kind of like, oh, wow, why not? Right. So I started as the, the language lead for Portuguese at the time in the group that it was language services. And I held different positions until I became uh, the director of global communication and design um, last year. And for me, it was a great opportunity to evolve in my career in the world of localization. I, I, I learned to be an interpreter. You know, I, you know, before I was a, a managing interpretation, mm -hmm. I learned everything about 
quality assurance. And, you know, I, I learned and I applied those things as I went. So Rotary has been very good to me in terms of developing and evolving in my career and in the realm of localization overall. And I had the major, the best opportunities I think I could ever had in 2015, which was to shift things around and transform, really moving the, the team from being language services and being at the end of the spectrum to truly being, being global communications. And, you know, that's part of what that team does now. It's really elevated the, the idea. It's really beyond translation. It's beyond, it's really looking from a strategic standpoint of what global communications really mean. So that's part of, of, of what I is still I'm involved with today. And again, last year I was I was I had the opportunity to to take on the design team, which is the desktop publishing and the creative side, the yes. visual elements. And for me today, part of what I do really is to look at the overall, you know, operations and and you know and, and work with great a great team and great leaders in my team to advance Rotary because Rotary is a global organization by nature. And for us it really was about the opportunity to really put international in Rotary International and be truly global Absolutely. and not just check the boxes that we're doing things like yeah. you know, in different languages and we call ourselves global. So that's what a lot of our work is, is to make sure that we are representing Rotary visually and in terms of content from a truly global perspective. Absolutely, yes. Um, I understand that Rotary is what a 1.2 million inspired business professional leaders and with 35,000 Rotary um, clubs in over 200 ge geographical regions. That's amazing. I mean, that's just, it's just like yeah. Rotary is everywhere already. It is. It really is. And for us, you know, a lot of our challenge, of course, you know, we are part of the communications group, yes. uh, naturally. And part of our, our responsibility is really how to position the brand in a global scale, taking into consideration all the differences and the nuances of Rotary clubs around the world, not only geographically, but also the nature of clubs, because the clubs are yes. independent. Of Rotary International is an association of clubs. The clubs are independent, they're autonomous. So how do we actually engage them and position the brand in a way that actually crosses boundaries, respects the uniqueness, but also brings us all together in terms of around our mission of what we truly are and we represent. Fantastic, thank you. So can you tell us how do you see the organization developing in the next um, five to 10 years, for instance? Because being such a big uh, organization, I mean, uh, you, um, I, from what I read, um, United Daily across cultures and occupations addressing illiteracy, disease, hunger, poverty, and lack of clean water, all the, the work that Rotary does is fantastic. So how do you see the organization uh, changing in the next few years? Is there anything yeah. specific? Um, I think Rotary is very unique, right? Because again, you see certain organizations out there that are, you know, specializing certain specific causes. And you read just a few of ours, right? Because yes. the clubs are autonomous and because Rotary is truly global, it's about Rotary members being those, what we call action, right? People who really see the issues around them and do something Make about it. Make a difference, it. yes. And the issues, yeah, and the issues are of all nature, right? So the issues that are happening in India are different issues that are happening in the U.S. that are different that are happening. So for us, it's not about picking one cause. So that's why Rotary is very broad in terms of the causes. And as a membership organization that's been around since 1905, I think one of the exciting things about the future of Rotary is about membership overall, right? So we're coming from a very old school structure of Rotary clubs around the world, and it has been very successful. However, 
nowadays that's not how the world sees you know things anymore right in the past people really needed to have these meetings that happen in these formal clubs so i think one of the good things about rotary in the future is how can we have a membership approach that's still interesting to the generations that are around us now right people Absolutely. are you know for time for attention family how do we juggle everything and still keep some commitment and like the idea of doing good now is very easy we can do good through so many organizations out True. there through money through your social media presence right there's so much out there and i think one of the challenges that we have and opportunities that we have is how our membership will look like in the future and i think that's something that we're exploring now that's very very exciting Fantastic, thank you. And um, being such a large organization, we mentioned that the organization is present in over 200 countries. How important do you think is the role of, of social media in Rotary strategy to communicate on the global scale? Because it is such a big part of, you know, obviously of your daily responsibilities, I suppose, in communications, but everyone uses social media nowadays. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think for us, it's crucial. We've come, you know, I think we, we arrived in that arena of so a little late compared to other companies out there. And we joke that that's how Rotary does things. We always like wait a little bit to see what's out there and then we eventually catch up. And uh, we've come from arriving a little late to the party to now having an approach that's digital first. So for us, if we have now, we're we're really out there now, making sure that everything that happens happens on digital on the digital space first. So for example, and social media mainly first. If we have a new president, that, you know, that should be announced in the Rotary world that changes every year. Our 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 you know strategies on social first, right? Yeah. If we have the president announcing their theme for the year, there is a meeting that happens, you know, with a tons of people in the room. But as he's announcing that, you know, with those people in the room, live streamed, social media hits out. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. live streaming. It goes to the world. So for us, social media is very crucial, which is one of the reasons why we saw that as an opportunity for our team in global communications to be part of the conversation, right? We don't approach social from an aspect of translating posts. We really manage those accounts based on the reality of the regions around the world. And that way we can carry the message across in a way that Absolutely. keeps people engaged and coming back to, to work with us or be part or participate in Rotary, either being a member or not. Yeah. No, absolutely. That It is uh, extremely important because obviously the way that you communicate with somewhere um, in uh, Europe wouldn't be the same way you communicate with someone in Asia, for instance. So that is exactly. actually, yeah, I agree. Uh, so um, now um, I'd like to talk about... Um, uh, advice that you'd have for people who'd like to de de develop their brands globally. So we were talking about uh, Rotary, which is a comp like an organization, not such a global scale. What about smaller companies? What, what would you have? What type of advice would you have for people who would like to be able to communicate? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I always say that, you know, Rotary became global organically, right? The minute that another club started in another country, that's that's global, right? You're outside of your boundaries. So for us, global became our nature. And for many brands out there, many companies, especially small ones, you have a strategy of how to grow globally. And I think one of the things that comes to my mind is I think the first question that you, you ask yourself, or I would ask myself is why, right? Why do you want to be global? What's it going to bring to us? Because there's also that temptation nowadays to say that everything is global. 
that companies or brands say, I need to be global, which is a good starting point. But I think following that thought should be, and I need to be global because, mm-hmm. right? Um, because this is going to bring me this, it's going to bring me that, or it's going to be beneficial for for this aspect of my, my brand or not. Um, and even if you're not planning necessarily to be global, but what does that really mean, right? Is it because you want to be global because now you have a page on social and that's a global, there's a global access to yeah. that? Or are you going to have a physical presence in, in different parts of the world? What does being global mean to you? Because I, th- I see a lot of layers because we cannot just generalize that being global is this thing or that thing. Being global, I think for us, um, and overall, as, as the world we live today, means so many different things to different brands. So I think another, the second step of that is like what being global means to you or could mean to you. Because many times you plan to be global and you say, okay, I'm going to have a presence here. I'm going yes. to start with this market. But then things happen, right? You have to change your plan or you, know, you have to change the way you think or being global might be needed as you know faster than you anticipated so what does it mean to you about being global i think those are two things that are are starting points before somebody can actually talk about a strategy and all that because that's going to be of course what follows right you want to have a strategy you want to have a good understanding of the markets you're going to but if you but you have to have the reasons why you want to do it and get a good understanding of what that means or could mean to you in yes, the future. Absolutely, yes. And um and speaking of developing your brand and uh so obviously you have to keep up with the latest industry trends. Have you noticed any in the past or recently? Mm, yeah. I think we are in in the we are in the the present moment of AI, right? Everybody's talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um no matter no matter what industry you're part of, everybody is 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 talking about artificial intelligence and what it means to us as as human beings in our personal lives and professional lives. So I think um, you know, and 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 we we have saying out there that you know it's not about the future; it's about the present. We are already implementation era of technology, sure. and we cannot ignore that. I think it's a matter of wanting where you want to be. In, in this trend, if you want to be part of the ones that take the risk, if you want to wait a little bit, yeah. see how things go, right? I, I often, you know, say that if there's a new car that I'm very interested about, you want to see, and how I'm very excited forms. about it. Some people want to see how it goes before they buy it. Some people want to be part of that test phase and be the ones providing feedback. So I think in terms of technology and the trends of AI and other trends in terms of technology, it's about defining where you want to be in that conversation. Absolutely. And it's okay to be anywhere. It's okay to be anywhere. You don't have to be the first one, yes. Yeah. So um exactly. so we're so I was going to talk about technology, but obviously you're talking about AI. So when it comes to the localization industry, to what what extent do you think that technology will help companies going global? So we're talking about AI. Is there anything else in particular sp- specific to the localization industry that you would see helping or impact impacting in the future? Um, yes, I see. I think technology overall, we we need more and more, right? We're seeing better and stronger, you know, workflow management systems, right? In the world of localization, we're seeing better and stronger and smarter, uh, you know, tools out there. You know, we we do talk often. We cannot just leave out the the whole idea of machine translation where that is, of course, right? Um, it is for us. I I say we were 
for many years we were under a rock. And for us, technology has been crucial to get and accomplish the, the ambitious goals that we have. Um, and that comes with a learning curve. That comes with change management. And we have been going through that process for a while. But I, I think you cannot talk about you know, efficient localization nowadays without relying on technology. And and I believe that if people are still very, you know, against that or very resistant to that, uh, their future might not be so bright. Um, so I think that technology definitely is is part of our day to day, especially in the localization industry. When you when you look at AI, but also the systems and the tools that are out there in terms of connecting people, right, has become more and more remote. In terms of communication, in terms of making a presence of leadership, in terms of managing the operations, I think we have to rely on these tools to 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 be better and stronger, and that's going to have an impact on our roles and our responsibilities, and it's Absolutely. already happening. Yes, it is true. And speaking of leadership, um, so you've been involved in various panels, right, of conferences such as Lockword, Gala. You've recently hosted three fantastic webinars uh, on leadership in globalization uh, with Vistatech and with our very own Maria de Arriva. And in the first webinar you hosted, um, I picked up that you spoke about the importance of leadership. And you said, if I'm quoting you, no matter what your position is in the company, you have the opportunity to exercise your leadership every day. So can you expand a little bit on the on the topic, because leadership is such an important part of uh, of every day's um, everyone's um, role, really. Yeah, it really is, and and I and I truly believe that. I, I truly believe that no matter where you sit, no matter it's not a matter of title, you know. And I unfortunately, many companies out there still, or or many cultural, you know, organizational cultures out there, see leadership or value leadership based on title. Mm -hmm. And I I truly don't believe that. I think everybody has something to offer and everybody has the opportunity to develop and showcase and apply the leadership skills every single day. Um, And and I think, you know, speaking of my journey at Rotary, I've seen that, you know, I've, I've seen that in different positions that I've held and in different projects that I worked with, everybody has the opportunity to showcase that. And I think that is becoming more and more important because as as leadership is this buzzword that has been around for a while and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, the more we talk about it, I think the more there's room for confusion between what management is, what leadership is. Um, what engagement is, what the skills of a good leader could be, because that also varies. I see a lot of the cookie cutter offers out there, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of leadership. And I think we are we run the risk of of providing some cookie cutters when we have these conversations in panels or webinars, right? But I come from a perspective of what has worked for me or what I observed in my in my life and in my career. Um, I always approach leadership from a perspective that what I'm telling you, what I'm sharing with you is not the norm, is not what it needs to be for you to be successful. I don't, I don't believe in the, in a, in a, you know, a cookie cutter or, or a cake recipe that's going to give you everything that mm-hmm. if you measure this, this way, the cake, yeah, it'll be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for me, it's about ideas and, and grabbing and applying things that apply to you based on the environment that you have, on your style, on what you're comfortable with. So that's why I believe that leadership can be applied no matter where you are, no matter where you sit at the table, because people are different. Diversity actually contributes to leadership, especially in a collective environment. And um, I believe a good leader should never 
you know, lead alone because it's, it's, it's barely impossible to be a strong leader if you're trying to do it alone. You have to rely on those around you and those that will eventually get the job done. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you actually about um, what would be your personal like experience wise and advice to how to become a better leader, because it is so peculiar, as you said, uh, whether it's in terms of environment, your team and your own experience and your daily challenges with your own tasks and uh, responsibilities. Would you have any more advice for someone who's starting yeah. as, a, as a leader, as in like, I don't know, team leader or manager? Yeah. And I think that um, one of the good things that is important um, is to strive to be resilient. You know, I think being resilient, being a resilient leader really makes you a strong leader. And it's hard to find resilience because life happens, right? We get hit left and right by, by life, right? We plan things, we plan projects, we fail. So, you know, as we go through our journey as leaders, becoming a resilient human being is very important. And I think that's important in life overall, not only in the professional context, but also in your personal context, right? You want to strive to be strong and, and to be resilient as much as possible, even in, even in the moments when you're weak and when you are vulnerable, because those are also characteristics of, I think, of a good leader is allowing yourself to be vulnerable, Make mistakes and you learn. Learning. Make make mistakes, learning, you know, find those soft skills that speak close to your heart. What are the the skills that match your personality? How do people respond to things? I think that's extremely important to become a good leader is observe others, listen actively, pay attention to what's around you, build those competencies and those skills that, that, you know, will make you stronger and no matter what style you have. And it's okay also, again, you don't have to be this cookie cutter leader. You know, styles of leadership are different and they have to be different because people respond to people differently. And um, I think also another good thing to think about back to not working alone is find those who are better than you to work with you. Don't be afraid to bring people who have skills that you don't have. And I think be humble enough to acknowledge that and, and, and offer the skills that you have because collectively it's really hard. There's this other buzzword that I hear a lot nowadays. It's like it's hard to find those unicorns. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? The unicorn of leadership, the unicorn of the person. It's very hard when you're hiring talent, when you're looking for partners. You know, people are now really more and more trying to find that unicorn. And that's really hard to find. Uh, that's why we call them so, right? It's very hard to find. So, and, and because it's hard to find, and because most likely we are not it, we are not those unicorns either, find those who, who are better than you, who are stronger than you in different aspects of your leadership and what you need to accomplish, because you can only benefit from that. Thank you very much for that. Um, Patrick, I'm going to ask you one more question already. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, are there any other projects, new projects, secret projects that you'd like to talk about to our, our audience? Um, yes, before we, we close the show. Yeah, I think one of the projects we have is really rely on Rory as being 
really this group of leaders in their own capacities around the world for localization. One of the projects that I, I have in mind and we haven't quite started yet, but it's about the collaboration because Rotary has certain set of languages but we know, and that was one of the goals of becoming global communications, that not because Rory operates mainly in these different languages, that there's no need for other content in other languages that we don't fully support because we don't have the budget, it's not part of our plan. So one of the projects that I'm very excited for the team to work on and, and uh, for me to work on is to work with this you know, community approach and crowdsourcing approach with our members, you know, finding those hubs for localization, building those partner members on the ground to be able to provide and them help us provide content in those languages that we don't fully support. Because I do believe nobody should be left behind in terms Absolutely. of knowledge and information. And as much as we strive to make sure that our English is of global nature to reach those who don't have their language supported so they can you know, react and do what we need them to do. Um, I, I see a great potential in Rotary being this great organization that is with 1.2 million members around the world to close the gaps in terms of content. So that's one of the projects that I'm very excited that the team will be working on soon. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for your time. We were delighted to have you on the show. We're really looking forward to uh, to uploading uh, our uh, Vista Talks on YouTube for everyone to be able to discover uh, the, the amazing job that you do and, and uh, the projects coming up as well. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you for having me and uh, we'll keep talking, I'm sure. We'll keep in touch. We'll keep talking. So um, so that's the end of today's show with uh, Patrick Nunes uh, from Rotary International. Please make sure to tune in again uh, to see the next Vista Talk show. With, uh, we'll be discussing more interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world.